0: The transcript is available for free on our Patreon page, you can find the link in the episode's description. And make sure you stay tuned until the end to test your knowledge about the environment with a little planet quiz and also to discover some amazing facts about our nature by hearing this week's Planet Wonder. Okay, without further ado, let's get started with our first story. Plastic can be amazing. It is light, strong, it can be made into an endless variety of shapes, sizes and colours.
1: But unfortunately, we are currently using far more plastic than we need, and for single-use items. Only about 9% of the world's plastic gets recycled. And if we continue making as much plastic as we are right now, by 2050 there will be more plastic than fish in the sea. So are there any alternative materials that could help us shake off our addiction to plastic?
0: Well, there are some promising ideas, and one of them is actually a natural solution that has been used for centuries in Asia. Banana leaves are a byproduct of growing bananas for food, which means that there's a plentiful supply of them. The leaves are large, strong and water-resistant. Traditionally, they've been used for hundreds of years in Asian countries for things like cooking, as bowls to serve food and even to wrap up food for transport. Since they're a natural material, they biodegrade easily and return nutrients to the soil. This means they're not polluting landscapes or oceans.
1: And that's great, but as plastic spread around the world, many Asian countries stopped using them. But in some places like Vietnam, using banana leaves as packaging is making a comeback. The shift started in smaller shops and has been picked up by larger supermarket chains too.
0: Yeah, it's really starting to catch on. And there's even a startup called Banana Leaf Technology that is working on something really promising. They have developed a way to modify the banana leaves to make them stronger and more suitable for packaging. What's great is that they don't use chemicals for this, so they're still safe to eat from, and afterwards the leaves will biodegrade like normal.
1: Again, with this technology, the leaves will stay green for up to a year rather than biodegrading after about three days. So it makes them easier to use in products like banana leaf takeaway
0: boxes and cups. Now of course, banana trees are native to tropical regions, so the leaves are best used in these areas. If we use them for packaging in cooler climates, it's going to take the leaves much longer to biodegrade. But it's still a clever solution to reduce the amount
1: of unnecessary plastic packaging by using the resources that we already have.
0: Absolutely. Personally, I'd love to see more innovations like this to move away from plastic being the default material that we use for everything.
1: Yeah, it would be really nice to have them in Europe as well, but I think with our climate, it's going to be a bit difficult. Okay, so for our next story, we'll talk about an exciting initiative to help restore and protect the world's coral reefs. But before that, let's test your knowledge on this very special ecosystem with a little planet quiz. And we've got five questions for you. Number one, are corals plants or animals?
0: Now, corals may look like plants, but they're actually made up of tiny animals called polyps. Polyps are composed of a soft, sack-like body, topped by a mouth covered in tentacles. Question number two. What's the name of the world's largest coral reef? And the answer is that the world's largest coral reef is situated in the east of Australia, and it's called the Great Barrier Reef.
1: And it's really incredible because it started growing about 20,000 years ago. Number three. How much percentage of the ocean floor do coral reefs cover? 1%, 10% or 35%? And the answer is 1%. And to be more precise, it's even less than that. But even if they cover less than 1% of the ocean floor, coral reefs are home to a quarter of all marine species. That's why they are such an essential marine ecosystem.
0: Number four. As you know, coral reefs are very bright and colorful. But where do they get these colours from? Coral reefs get their colours from microscopic algae. These algae are corals' main source of food, and by living within them, algae give corals their beautiful colours.
1: Number five. As we were saying before, corals are made up of tiny animals called polyps, and these polyps create big reef structures. But what do polyps secrete to grow these reef structures? Well, polyps take the carbon from the algae they absorb and from the seawater, and they turn it into calcium carbonate. Okay, so to understand, when we human beings breathe, we exhale carbon dioxide. Animals do the same thing, and corals are animals too, as we said, so they also exhale carbon dioxide. But the difference is that they combine it with calcium from the ocean, and this way they can create
0: calcium carbonate. And by creating calcium carbonate, corals can build skeletons. When they repeat this process, corals can build lots of skeletons which then become an entire reef structure. But because of ocean acidification, it is becoming
1: more and more difficult for corals to build these skeletons.
0: Yeah, that's right. And ocean acidification is being caused by climate change. Due to climate change, the concentration of carbon dioxide has really increased in the atmosphere and the ocean ends up absorbing a lot of it. This excess of carbon dioxide causes the seawater to become more acidic and this causes carbonate ions to become less abundant. That's why it's becoming more difficult for corals to build skeletons. And this decrease of carbonate ions also impacts other organisms like oysters, clams, sea urchins and many more. Unfortunately, ocean
1: acidification is only one of the many threats that coral reefs have to face because of climate
0: change. But there is some hope to help restore and protect them. So coral reefs are often referred to as the rainforests of the sea. And due to their incredible biodiversity, coral reefs provide shelter, food and breeding for many species, just like rainforests do. As we were saying before, they're home to a quarter of all marine species. But that's not all, because they also act as a natural barrier. They protect coastlines from erosion and storm surges.
1: Just to make sure everyone understands what we were talking about, a storm surge happens when the seawater level rises abnormally during a storm.
0: On top of that, coral reefs are a significant source of income and livelihoods for millions of people worldwide, especially in developing countries, where fishing and tourism are major industries. The problem is that, like we said, coral reefs are under threat. Climate change is causing both ocean acidification and also ocean temperatures to rise. And warmer ocean temperatures leads to coral bleaching. But what is coral bleaching exactly?
1: Okay, so after our little planet quiz, you know how coral reefs get their colors. They get their colors from an algae that lives within them. But when the water is too warm, corals get under stress. And the result of this stress is that corals then expel the algae that lives within them. And so this causes coral reefs to lose their color and to turn completely white. It doesn't mean that they are dead yet, but the problem is that if the water stays warm, corals won't let the algae back, and then they will die.
0: And sadly, global warming isn't the only thing that corals are struggling with. There's also pollution from agriculture, sewage, and plastic pollution can harm coral reefs and the marine life that depends on them. Runoff from agriculture and sewage can introduce excess nutrients into the water, which leads to algal blooms. And as we were saying in our episode last week, algal blooms is a rapid increase of algae, which can kill corals. There's also the problem of plastic that can damage or entangle corals, And on top of all of that, chemicals such as the ones we find in sunscreens can be very toxic to them. If you're
1: interested in this topic, you can check out our episode from July 19th, where we made a guide to travel more sustainably, and among other things, we talked about the impact of sunscreens on marine
0: life. Another threat is overfishing. When fish populations decrease because of overfishing, the whole marine ecosystem is disrupted. This leads to coral reefs becoming overgrown with algae, which can make them suffocate and die. Now just to be clear, this is a different kind of algae than the ones that live within the corals and give them their colours. There are also some fishing practices that are very destructive for fish and for coral reefs, especially something like bottom trawling. And you may have seen videos of this online, but for those people who haven't, it consists of dragging a large net along the ocean floor, which destroys coral reefs and anything else in their path. So, as you can see, coral reefs are under many different threats. And
1: actually, a report from the IPCC reveals that coral reefs would decline by 99% if the global temperature warms by 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial values. Okay, so for our American audience, uh, 2 degrees Celsius is about 3.6 Fahrenheit. So obviously, fighting climate change is the best way to keep our coral reefs healthy. But in the meantime, it is essential to restore and protect them. There are many organisations and initiatives worldwide fighting for them, like the Coral Reef Alliance. But other key actors have played a critical role in safeguarding coral
0: reefs, divers. Divers help monitor and document the health of coral reefs by observing changes and identifying which areas need protection. They also contribute to what is called coral gardening. Now, in case you're wondering, coral gardening consists of collecting small fragments of healthy coral and moving them over onto damaged reefs. Over time, this transplanted coral can grow and spread, helping to restore the ecosystem. A good example is in the Florida Keys, which is an archipelago off the southern coast of Florida, where divers have been transplanting coral onto damaged reefs through the Coral Restoration Foundation.
1: And there's another great technique to revitalise coral reefs, seaweeding. What is seaweeding? Well, just like we weed our gardens by removing unwanted wild plants, seaweeding consists in plucking unwanted algae off coral reefs. As we were saying earlier, because of overfishing, coral reefs are overgrown with algae which can kill them. But with the help of volunteer snorkelers and scuba divers, this excess of algae can be removed. And this method has already shown to be very effective. Hilary Smith, a National Geographic explorer and ecologist, declared that every year there are more and more coral babies.
0: In the Great Barrier Reef in Australia, for example, cleaning the corals by removing the excess of algae resulted in a threefold increase in the number of new coral babies.
1: And also, getting citizens involved is a great way to help combat climate anxiety. Um, There's the CEO of Earthwatch Institute, Fiona Wilson, that declared, we're connecting people to the critical issue of our time, climate change. Action is the antidote to this almost existential
0: crisis. But unfortunately, it's not always quite that simple. Because as long as global warming keeps increasing, the algae will keep regrowing. Some studies have found that another solution could be to then introduce herbivores like urchins, crabs and fish to eat the seaweed. And of course, beyond the work of organisations and divers, it's essential that governments apply stronger laws and regulations to protect coral reefs from overfishing, destructive fishing practices and pollution. As you know, every week we
1: finish with a pretty amazing fact about our planet, a little planet wonder. A lot of movies, songs and books talk about love and finding the one. The idea of romance and finding a soulmate is a big part of our culture, but in the animal world it's actually pretty uncommon for a pair to mate for life, which is known as monogamy. It's not the case for all of them though. One species that is famous for how close their bonds are
0: is the grey wolf. Grey wolves live in strict hierarchical packs. And among the pack, there is usually an alpha pair, who are the most dominant male and female in charge. These are, in theory at least, the only wolves who breed in the pack. And so they mate for life, which strengthens their position as the leaders of the pack. The alpha males actually use it as a way of asserting their superiority over the other males in the pack. And because they're fearless leaders, they also make great parents who can protect their cubs.
1: We hope you've enjoyed spending this little time with us. If you would like to support our work, please consider
0: becoming one of our Patreons. For as little as the price of a coffee, you can make it possible for us to keep sharing positive and important stories about our planet.
1: We run this podcast in our free time, so your support really means a lot to us. Another great way to help is to follow our podcast, share it with your close ones, or also comment on your podcast platform and leave a five-star review.
0: These all seem like small things, but it helps us to gain visibility, which means more people can hear these inspiring stories.
1: Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.